Welcome to Madison Labor Radio. Labor Radio is dedicated to bringing news, information, and cultural events focused on working people and the labor movement to the Madison area and surrounding communities. I'm Bert Zipperer, a member of Madison Teachers Incorporated Retirees. Your support in any amount helps make Labor Radio and all the great programming on WORT possible. Hi, I'm Annette Kuhlmann. This week, we celebrate the wins of TrackT and Raven software workers, learn about negotiation difficulties for Red Cross workers, speak with Madison teachers on their bargaining efforts, and share new statistics on the week and much more. If you like what you hear, please consider becoming a sustaining supporter of WRT and Labor Radio. Quality assurance workers at Middleton's Raven Software voted this week in favor of unionizing with the Communication Workers of America. They become only the second such formally recognized video game workers union in the country. We'll hear more about the workers' campaign and the groundbreaking results here. Quality assurance workers employed by Middleton's Raven Software have won their (laughs) union election after a vote count by the National Labor Relations Board concluded this Monday. Their win represents only the second time a union has earned formal recognition in the country's video game industry. The election, which was decided by a margin of 19 in favor of unionization and three against, comes as the culmination of a months-long organizing effort that began last year, when a bargaining unit of 34 workers declared their intention to unionize as the GWA. When Activision Blizzard, the parent company of Raven Software, announced the termination of 12 quality assurance positions in December. Members of the GWA walked out alongside other Raven Software employees in protests. What started as a spontaneous action soon expanded into a five-week strike outside of the studio, lasting into January of this year. In April, Activision converted over 1,000 temporary and contract employees to full-time and granted them a minimum base pay starting at $20 an hour. Although all of the QA employees at Raven had already been converted to full-time status, they were informed that they would not be eligible to receive the minimum salary pay bump. Activision also undertook an effort to cancel the vote altogether earlier this year, petitioning the NLRB to reconsider its decision to set an election date. The petition was denied by the board and the final election date of May 23rd was affirmed. Separately, the board leveled a series of complaints against the company, alleging that the uneven distribution of pay increases in April constituted an unfair labor practice. The NLRB further alleged that Activision leveled threats against employees, stating that they could not talk about wages, hours, or working conditions, and implemented a restrictive social media policy that also interfered with employees' protected organization rights. The news broke hours before the union vote was read aloud, and if the company doesn't settle, the NLRB has stated that it will formally file a complaint. In a statement to The Verge, the Game Workers Alliance wrote, quote, Our biggest hope is that our union serves as an inspiration for the growing movement of workers organizing at video game studios to create better games and build workplaces that reflect our values and empower all of us. 
We look forward to working with management to positively shape our working conditions and the future of Activision Blizzard through a strong union contract. Reporting for Labor Radio, I'm Sean Hagerup. Next, we hear updates on Madison Teacher Inc. bargaining efforts. Michael Jones, president of the Teachers Bargaining Unit for Madison Teachers Inc., MTI, outlines the four current bargaining objectives for the union. We need to make sure we are having wages and salaries that are keeping up with inflation. So it's not even considered a raise. It's just to be able to to still break even. Next, we are pushing for a $5 raise for our ESEAs. Those are our special education assistants, secretary, so clerical, school security, behavior assistants. They work hourly and their wages are not keeping up, not only with inflation, but with other districts around the county. We are struggling to hire and retain workers in that area because of the low pay. Our third one is the steps and lanes. We have a salary schedule for those of us in the teacher bargaining unit and that everyone advances on the salary schedule. That's actually guaranteed in the handbook, but we just put it in there just to be explicit about it. And the fourth is increased pay for our substitutes. This has been a really difficult year. Uh, Actually, the last few years have been really difficult to attract and retain substitutes who are really vital. What are you hearing from the district in response to your requests? The district is offering right now a 2.0% cost of living adjustment, so that's less than half of the rate of inflation. We're still in negotiations and discussions with them. Their statement is that we aren't arguing this part, is that Wisconsin has criminally underfunded Madison. Actually, they've criminally underfunded pretty much all school districts, but they've specifically gone after Madison where we have not seen any increase in supports or funds over the last couple of years. So they say that's the reason why they can't offer a higher cost of living adjustment. Our argument is that this is a priority crisis. This school district operates on almost a half a billion dollar annual budget. And what we are pushing for all combined is about roughly about $10 million in terms of adjustment. So we're talking between 1.5 and 2% of the budget. So we're saying, you know, you need to prioritize not just hiring staff, but retaining the staff you have. What transpired at the rally that was on Monday night? Yes. So that was right before the board meeting. The rally just really, one was a communication to our community of, okay, this is what we're really pushing for to really make sure that the school board and district leadership, which attend the board meetings, obviously, are fully aware of the impact this is having. Salaried staff are are standing to lose thousands of dollars, being paid less, honestly, if we're including the rate of inflation. And our hourly staff are still being so underpaid that they're working second and third jobs. And the board and the community really need to know that because we have had a staffing crisis all year this school year. And when you are offering less than what other surrounding districts, other industries are offering, just by sheer economics, people are going to leave. So if you are going to say, hey, I value schools, you have to invest the money into it. You can't nickel and dime your way into success. Can you tell us about the petition and how our listeners can participate if they would like to? 
it's a simple Google form and it's just saying, hey, I support district staff and pursuing the, the four pieces that I already outlined. I believe this is really what our community needs in order to have well-functioning and stable schools. Email mti at madisonteachers.org to access the petition. That was Michael Jones. This is Janine Ramsey reporting for Labor Radio. Now let's celebrate. Tracty workers win wage and other gains. The strike has ended. Yesterday, the members of Smart Local 565 concluded their strike with Tracty Building Systems in Sun Prairie. The strike began on Monday, May 9th. Labor Radio spoke with Jesse Buell, business manager of Smart Local 565. We asked him to characterize the agreement. We came up with some structure and overtime and on I go straight to that because that's really um, about what this strike was about. It was not a true economic strike or anything like that. It wasn't about the money. Um, These guys wanted a life-work balance. So we did come to an agreement where uh, nothing more than two consecutive weeks can be mandated, which um, is good enough for the uh, membership to ratify. Labor Radio asked if the strike was worth the sacrifice. I do. I do, and actually, not only worth it, and 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 needed to be done, and maybe maybe even um, what I'll say is that this bargaining unit here, I think, put a message out to not only just Wisconsin but um, nationally on 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 standing up for morals, family morals. You know, I guess in a day of we have problems across America. You know, we we were having school shootings and stuff like that going on. We have. Um, I, I truly believe that family time is a lost art um, across society right now. And these guys stood up for something about having that work-life balance, having family time, I do think is very important. These guys stood up for what they believed in. Business manager Buell also emphasized how important support from the labor and the Madison community was to the strikers. Besides just being grateful and proud of the bargaining unit that I represent, Having the support that we did, special thanks I do want to give out to Scuffle and Kevin Dunlock for stepping it up and really helping out our local and our bargaining unit members over at Jockey to some prairie. Melissa Agard that stopped by and walked the line with our members. I thought that was a big move on her behalf. I thought that was great to have her out there for support. There were others that came out too. Um, the community, our building trades council stepped up, supported our, our members, not even not only in their strike, but uh, put on a uh, food you know feast and right. fed the line and all that. The strike also had a positive effect on the union. Buell explains. Trocty's bargaining unit, local 565's bargaining unit out of Trocty has really put a charge in the local across of our other senatorials and everybody was really watching them and um, they have uh, rejuvenated and and kind of put on a self-organizing. A lot of people are stepping up and, and getting more involved now and uh, that's important for our local. This strike may just be the beginning of the reinvigoration of the local, but it is also a message to the rest of the units in this local and maybe beyond 
that the workers are willing to fight to rebalance the work-family relationship. In other contract gains, workers won a 5.3% base wage increase, the hiring wage went from $19 per hour to $20 per hour, and in addition, there will be a general wage increase of 4% in the first year and 3.5% in the second year of this 23-month contract. The company also agreed to a $200,000 skill recognition program. The company also agreed to a $200,000 skill recognition program. Individual members, depending on their skill level, can receive up to 8.2% wage increase. The vacation benefit for new hires was also improved. New hires can receive 2.5 additional days of vacation in their first year of employment. Thanks to Jesse Buell, business manager of Smart Local 565, for this interview. I am Frank Emsbeck for Madison Labor Radio. Red Cross workers have gone several months without a contract. After many delays from management, locals have filed with the NLRB regarding management's bad faith bargaining. Carol Weidel has a story. When schools let out for summer and families set off on vacation, the American Red Cross typically sees a decline in donors, which can impact patient care. It's critically important that donors make an appointment to give now before heading out for summer activities to help maintain a stable blood supply in the coming months. Unfortunately, the need for blood doesn't take a summer break. Volunteer donors are the only source of blood and platelets for patients with blood disorders, trauma victims, and those experiencing difficult childbirths. Also critical to maintaining the blood supply are Red Cross employees. However, the 300 employees of the Red Cross in Wisconsin and Northern Iowa have worked more than four months without a negotiated contract. Wages are not competitive and staffing is not at sufficient levels. Workers have experienced significant reductions in real wages over the last five years. This creates a stressful and unsustainable work environment. The labor contract that governs wages and staffing levels expired last year at the end of September. The Red Cross has canceled or rescheduled at least 21 sessions for negotiations. As a result, Locals 1205 and 1558 of the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees, or AFSCME, filed a charge of bargaining in bad faith with the National Labor Relations Board, or NLRB. Eric Crocker, a Pewaukee worker, summarized the worker perspective. We are understaffed and underpaid for what we do and for what the Red Cross expects from us. Management is avoiding talking to us about these issues. Collections technician Laura Parker reacted to the Red Cross stonewalling. We have given many dates to accommodate the Red Cross. They cancel and we start over again. We need some resolution. We are fair with them and they need to be fair with us. Since filing the charge with the NLRB, the Red Cross scheduled two days in June for negotiation. This is Carol Weidel reporting for Labor Radio. And that was The Clash. Now, there's movement in contract negotiations at CUNA Mutual Group, as yesterday, CUNA management finally returned to bargaining with its office workers union. Greg Gabowski reports. In the last few weeks, Labor Radio has been reporting on the progress 
or lack of progress, between finance industry giant CUNA Mutual Group and its office union represented by OPEIU Local 39 in negotiations for a new collective bargaining agreement, with management showing reluctance to talk at all. Yesterday may have seen a breakthrough of sorts, as after a month of delays, CUNA Mutual management sat down with the union. Labor Radio spoke yesterday to Joe Avica, chief steward at Local 39, right after this bargaining session. Uh, in regards to negotiations, the past month we've been having discussions with the company regarding the issue of job security, um, so outsourcing of our work and contracting of work. Um, today we had our first bargaining session since those discussions have happened over the last month, and we've gotten some promising proposals, I would say, from them regarding job security, regarding the recognition clause, and regarding outsourcing. Um, there's definitely more to do in order to figure out what that language looks like, but we're happy with the progress that was made today at the bargaining table. The union has kept up the pressure over the last month, including a public action on Saturday, Avika explains. Over the course of the last month or so, our members have been really vocal and active during this process. So we've held two informational pickets outside of company headquarters. On Saturday, the 21st of May, we had members in the community come out for an informational picket. We have made sure to make the company aware of just how important our top five priorities are within the bargaining process. It was a very successful event. We were really happy with our members. Avika went over the union's chief bargaining demands and their status as of yesterday. So our members defined within town hall meetings and surveys that there's five priorities that we have within our bargaining process. The first is the protection of our HMO health care plan, as well as the expansion of our high deductible plans to become more affordable for our remote work employees. The second is to make sure to protect our pension plan since the company is proposing to freeze the pension for new hires, which would create another tiered system in our collective bargaining agreement. The third is remote work flexibility, which we have seen some significant progress on. A fourth is our compensation, making sure that the company deals with equity issues as well as offers wage increases that keep up with the pace of inflation. And then the last one is job security, so protection from outsourcing and contracting of work, making sure that the company backfills our positions. And just recently, we have seen some progress in regard to that issue. CUNA Mutual Group is one of the largest employers in the Madison area. Avika stresses the importance of a good CUNA settlement for workers throughout the region and welcomes community support. What happens at CUNA Mutual Group does have reverberations within other major employers in the area. So the more we can make sure to build relationships with the community, we're very open to that. That was Joe Avica, chief steward of OPEIU Local 39, speaking yesterday to Labor Radio as management at CUNA Mutual Group returned to bargaining with the union. For Labor Radio, I'm Greg Jabosky. Members of UAW Local 180 at Case in Racine are entering their fourth week on strike. Frank Amsbach has a story. On May 2nd, workers at the Case Agricultural Implement Plant in Racine walked out. They knew it would be a tough strike. The last strike ended after three weeks, and then the company imposed a three-month lockout. Labor Radio spoke with Yassin Mahdi, president of the local. We asked him to describe the attitude of the workers. The people are feeling, uh, <laughs> I think, a little anxious, but, uh, you know, we stand strong. The company cut off payments for health insurance last week. 
but the UAW is now paying the premiums. No negotiations are scheduled with the company. While the parties did meet last week, President Mahdi said the negotiations produced nothing and characterized the negotiations this way. What they were proposing really wasn't much of a proposal, you know. Now that they said that they put their final offer out there, it really wasn't much of an offer. We don't want to bring just anything back to the membership, especially something that we don't believe in. So I don't know what they, uh, what their motive was. We asked Monty to describe the issues which motivated the strike. Okay, so it's about three or four key issues. Obviously, wages, uh, however, uh, that that's just uh, a fraction of, of the other issues. Uh, time off, vacation time is definitely needs to be greatly improved. We did an analysis of uh, a lot of other companies in the area, seeing what, what people are getting for time off as well as wages. So we just want to be competitive with what other people in the area are getting. So time off is a big piece. Working excessive overtime is another big piece. As regards wages, the union is seeking parity with wages at the non-unionized case plants. Wages at the case Racine are $5.50 lower than at the non-union plants. Although this seems like a big step, President Mahdi has a different view. Yeah, you could say it's a big step, uh, depending on how you look at it. I would think it's a small step. Uh, CNH has been very profitable. This should be a no-brainer to uh, take care of uh, the facilities uh, that the UAW represents. I mean, it's, it's a no-brainer. At this point, according to the union, the company has not addressed any of the issues the union has raised. Marty summed up things this way. Uh, we just have to stay solid, man. You know, uh, solidarity, we, we just have to hold that picket line strong waited out at this point. Um, the the company has scabs in the plant. I'm sure that they are not making a quality product. So as I stated to somebody at the company one time when we were coming in at the same time at the hotel, I said, look, this is all up to you guys. You guys are in total control of making this happen. I said, we just want something fair. We're not, we're not looking for anything more, anything less. We just want something fair. It appears as though they don't want to be fair at all. Local 180 asks that listeners use social media and contact CASE and indicate their support for the union. Just to put this strike in context, CNH, that's CASE, Industrial Reports, solid first quarter performance with consolidated revenues of $4.6 billion, up 13.4% compared to the first quarter of 2021 for continuing operations, with net income of $336 million. Thanks to Yassin Mahdi for this interview. I am Frank Emsbach from Madison Labor Radio. The National Labor Relations Board continues its efforts to hold Starbucks accountable for their aggressive union-busting campaign. We'll hear an update on the remedies ordered by the NLRB to deliver relief to workers. The National Labor Relations Board has requested a bargaining order that would force Starbucks to recognize and negotiate with a cafe in Buffalo. After ruling that the company's misconduct leading up to the store's election in December was so severe that a fair election in the future would be impossible, the Camp Road Cafe was one of three locations in the Buffalo area that filed for union elections last fall. In the intervening period, workers say that they were subjected to some of the company's most aggressive union busting thus far. The petition, which was filed late last week by NLRB Region 3 Director Linda Leslie, alleges that the actions of the company in the run-up to the Camp Road election were so substantial that, quote, there's only a slight possibility of traditional remedies erasing their effects and conducting a fair election. The complaint cites six examples at the Camp Road store in which Starbucks, 
through five high-ranking officials, both individually and collectively, quote, promised its employees increased benefits and improved terms and conditions of employment if they refrain from union organization activity. These instances occurred over two months in mid-2021, including August 23rd, late August, and on September 9th, 10th, and 15th. At the same time, the NLRB asserts that Starbucks and its executives also ramped up a far-reaching surveillance and intimidation campaign. One executive vice president stands accused of threatening Camp Road employees that Starbucks would not offer additional benefits in a union contract. Quote, the NLRB choosing to pursue a bargaining order at Camp Road is nothing short of exceptional. The partners at this location have been subjected to some of the most aggressive union busting seen in recent years, said Gianna Reeve a shift supervisor at the store. Quote, this is the first step for partners at my store to finally receive justice for what they have gone through. Starbucks has until June 2nd to submit a formal response to the filing, and a hearing regarding the proposed order is scheduled for the morning of July 11th. Reporting for Labor Radio, I'm Sean Hagerup. Here's Labor Radio's Carol Weidel with our Statistics of the Week. 26.4% is the statistic of the week. This black-white wage gap is the percent by which hourly wages of black workers are less than the hourly wages of white workers. In 2021, on average, white workers are paid $31.94 an hour, and black workers are paid $23.52 per hour, or 26.4% less. The source of this data is the Economic Policy Institute. Reporting for Labor Radio, this is Carol Weidel. And now you can hear Labor Radio anytime. Here's Labor Radio's Scott McCullough to talk about how to subscribe to the Labor Radio podcast. Are you a worker? Then we have news for you. Labor Radio is a news program by, for, and about working people. As we enter our third decade on the WORT airwaves, we're excited to bring you a new way to listen via a podcast. The Labor Radio podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Rate and subscribe to bring more working people's issues to the digital airwaves. That's the Labor Radio podcast, available from your community radio station, WORT 89.9 FM, Madison. And thanks for listening to Madison Labor Radio. I'm Bert Zipperer. Thanks to editors Frank Imspeck and Ellen LaLuzerne, assistant Robin G, reporters Mike Bernhard, Greg Gabowski, Sean Hagrup, Anna Hamm, Scott McCullough, Janine Ramsey, Tony Reeves, Carol Weidel, and damage control specialist Joanne Powers. Thank you as well to website editor J.J. Meyer. Special thanks to Keith Steffen, our reader coordinator, and to all our readers. Like Annette here tonight, we want to say thanks to Annette and congratulations on your retirement this week. Congratulations, Annette. And we want to say thanks to the members of IBEW Local 2304 WORT Staff Collective. Thank you. And I'm Annette Kuhlmann. We also want to thank all of your generous contributors to Labor Radio and WORT. Please stay tuned for the Blues Cruise with Dave Watts. And Bill, too. (laughs) 